Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friend, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Hi, I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. We're at Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in McHenry, Illinois. Um, Dr. Carlson has clients who come here from all over the country, so we're you know happy to stay in touch with everybody. We also have a Facebook group. It's called Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, and we'd love to see you there. And greetings to everybody right here in McHenry as well. So um, today we're going to talk about a few things, like the perils and pitfalls of not getting a rabies shot. A lot of you holistically-minded people um, simply just don't want a rabies shot, and I get it. I mean, I get the whole vaccine thing. You know, you've gone over the vaccine thing millions of times with I mean, hundreds and well, thousands of clients at this point. Right. So, I mean, I get why people don't want to do vaccines. I get it's preservatives. It's a lot of things. But there are some pitfalls and some perils from real life that actually happen. And they've happened to a lot of our clients. One happened yesterday, which gave me the idea for this when she tried to board an airplane because things have changed. So um, we'll talk to you a little bit about all of that uh, coming up. Also, what's the best time of day to feed your dog? And a lot of people have questions about what time of day works, what time, um, you know, of course, how much to feed your pet is also a huge question in the animal hospital. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about both of those things. And then also, um, we have um, some dangers in the clinic that we've come across lately, some really aggressive dogs. And I think I was talking to some staff members about this. I think dogs, you know, being, you know, a lot of people have gotten dogs right now during the pandemic. Yeah. But the thing about it is there could be some seriously miserable dogs with a miserable life coming up if people can't get out and socialize them. Very true. I mean, the dogs have to socialize and be around different scenarios mm -hmm. uh, because they often become more and more territorial as they're isolated. Yeah. And, um, and they, you know, they feed off our stress, too, because if we're in the house and we're getting stressed out uh, because we either aren't working as much or working from home, uh, even had a teacher that was uh, one of my clients that, that said, uh, you know, how much she was stressing out because um, she was isolated at home. She didn't have anybody else. Um, she couldn't, you know. Uh, it's stressful enough for a human. Right. But then you but add, you know, I mean, humans, you know, dogs, dogs too. thank goodness for pets because we can all add a little bit of, you know, <laughs> spice to our life with having um, pets. We've had two litters of kittens during the pandemic. So that's been really fun. Yeah. But, you know, the reality of it is that, you know, we can't really get near each other at this point in time. So how are we going to socialize all these animals? We have a few things that we can tell you about. Like one of them is our indoor dog park, which is super important uh, for as far as that goes. Um, we're also going to talk today a little bit about how um, and you can hear our dog, Benjo. He's <laughs> running around here, his tail's wagging. So uh, we uh, have little Benjo here uh, goofing around. So anyway, um, Peeing on plastic. This is a big problem for animals 
that especially cats, um, but I've seen dogs do it as well. So the peeing on plastic thing is not a good situation um, in a home environment or cats that just won't use their litter box. And they have this like tendency to want to go on anything else that's plastic. There's some behavior issues associated with that. And we'll talk about those today as well. Plus we have some questions to start off with today from our holistic vet advice group with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. So um, we have uh, Monica who's looking for advice. She says, my baby was throwing up last night and was adamantly gorging herself to induce vomiting once her stomach was empty. Took her to the vet today for x-rays and they found what they believe to be bits of plastic in her bowels. They said uh, she should pass those but they're irritating to her tummy mm -hmm. someone threw trash into my backyard while she was at work and she must have swallowed something that they chewed on so that was you know how it got there in the first place so um she got a shot of serenia which is an anti-nausea medication we commonly give in the animal hospital and it also was sent home with some sulfamides antibiotics um those are very taxing to the stomach. If you've ever had to take them as a human, it's pretty popular antibiotic. So issues uh, associated with that. She's eaten two small meals since getting the injection and I'm about to give her a third serving. Is there anything else that can help her dog feel better? So poor thing had kind of a rough go of it the last few days. We did bring some products here that would help the pet feel better. Um, so when you're starting out like refeeding after you've got a situation like that, we love this product. It's under the weather and you can talk about that. It's like those, you can hear it in the package, three, um, hydrated, you know, those potato mashed potatoes you get in a box, sort of like that. Very, very good stuff because, um, anytime a dog ingests uh, some sort of foreign body, uh, and it's got to pass through the system, it's going to you know, most of these products are inert. They're not going to digest, but they're going to pass through. Uh, but as they're passing through, uh, as the owner mentioned, that it's going to create some irritation because plastic can, can be sharp, uh, can be pointed, it can be jagged as it's moving through. It can scratch the intestinal lining and cause irritation. So during the process of letting this pass on through versus going to surgery, in some larger foreign bodies, you have to go in and actually take the foreign body out. Uh, in this case, we would just want to protect the lining as this product is moving through. Should take about 24 to 48 hours to totally pass, mm. most of the time within 24 hours. Really? Um, digestion, once it hits the stomach, is about two hours till it starts moving through the intestinal tract. And in most cases, if it's just food, eight to 12 hours, and that's passed through. Mm. In the case of foreign body, you have a condition called ileus because with that foreign material in there, it slows the intestinal tract down. So you're going to have more contact with those ingredients and it can be more and more irritating. So it may take longer, 12 to 24 hours, even a couple of days. Um, under the weather is a great soothing product. It gives them just like oatmeal for us. And then, a nice like, GI tract. The other thing about under the water is, I'm sorry, the dog has got a squeaky toy now. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep him home. He's in the car. Uh, he loves coming here because he loves going to the indoor dog park, but, and finding some other dogs to play with. But um, this is great. And you know, it's, that's a lot of times prescribed like chicken and rice. So this is a good one too. Um, just take home. It's so much easier than getting all that stuff out and trying to cook for your dog and then cook for your kids and stuff like that. We also have um, a couple of probiotics. Proviable is one. This is a great one. Um, these are sprinkle caps. Those go on like super quick. Um, 
quick results out of ProViable. And there's also another one called uh, Cinecore as well. Cinecore, and this is a nice product as well uh, for digestive support. So you have pre and probiotics in yeah. there. Very good product. Uh, you know, the thing about um, the probiotics, I just wanted to say one thing. So we had one question that came up on our group page as well. And um, I believe it was Deidre who asked this one. And she said, you know, she was, her dog was having a little bit of, um, you know, loose stool. And she said that she'd been always giving the same probiotic, but then I had her take a picture of the back of it and, or she, she listed everything that was on it. Um, and when I looked it up, I realized there were really only two strains of probiotic in there. So um, this product has um, many, many different strains. Actually, you can count them on the side. If you keep giving the same two strains, are you going to get the same result out of the probiotic? Most of the time you will because um, it's I mean, once you add the probiotic to the system, it's going to sort out what it needs and, and then... Uh, so if they're having the probiotic and then they still are getting like episodes of diarrhea and stuff, you may want to change that up. You might want to adjust it or readdress the problem because um, probiotics alone, unless it's a truly bacterial issue, um, may not help just by itself. There's in cases of foreign body and, and gastroenteritis and other intestinal inflammation. Uh, there may be combinations of therapy that's going to help. Uh, most of the time, if they get into a food-related problem, say they get into some new food, uh, then probiotics can be very helpful because it resets the, the bacterial flora. So, um, Cinecore so does is, a little better job, I think. It in has most four different strains, yeah. and they're a little different, too. Um, so, you, like, the names might look the same, but they have some numbers behind them, like... Um, sorry, I can't read very good. Uh, Lactobacillus helveticus. Roselle 52 and then the same one that's a 175 mm -hmm. so these are different strains they've gone in and looked at these products to see you know what are we going to do with them um what can we add to this to make the gut heal faster so this and um these are both products you'll see that are both working really really well on different things so you might actually have to switch up the probiotic to make the diarrhea go away so that's actually a you know good thing for sure. So there's more solutions out there maybe than you think, even if something gets going on you. So, um, so hopefully those kinds of things will help. Um, we do have another product here. If you have a pet that is not feeling well, it's eggs over easy. It's a food enhancer. Um, you particularly love this product. You gave it to, didn't you give it to a dog with pancreatitis? Mm -hmm. And it really helped a lot because uh, it, it really, it's a, you know, the big thing is you want something that's bland, easily digested until the GI tract is ready to go again. And so great product here. Um, yeah. Very easy on the stomach, very digestible. Uh, it enhances the appetite uh, to get that very sore and irritated GI tract going. This is from Steve's Real Food and the Enhanced yeah. line. And it's a pretty good size container. I mean, it's definitely bigger than the like the palm of my hand. And it only takes one scoop for a less than 10 pound dog. So there's plenty in there. Mm -hmm. You can use that um, just as a food enhancer. And then um, it's made with eggs and pork heart. So you can rehydrate it. You can just add it to wet food. You can do a lot of things with this product. It adds definitely some more vitamins, minerals, and maybe different things that you're not used to getting. Hi, buddy. Did you find a second way in here? The dog, <laughs> the dog is back. <laughs> 
<laughs> he has the run of the place today. So um, Melina, Melina's owner, had an issue. So Melina came in. What did she came in come in for in the first place? Let's just start there with the anxiety meds. There's, um, you know, in terms of, of anxiety, um, what happened is that uh, when most pets are coming in, um, they can have issues with anxiety, uh, mostly because uh, what happens is that during social situations where they're being more isolated, uh, they're not able to socialize as much. So it doesn't create anxiety. Um, the, the kitties, what, and this was a cat situation. So what was happening is that uh, the cats, uh, one particular cat was being more submissive where the other cat was being more aggressive. Uh, what we were trying initially uh, and what I understood is that we wanted to give Melena a little bit more um, medicine to help with the anxiety. So unfortunately, what happened is that we had more of a reaction, which can happen if we're going to go to medications, uh, that she had a mild reaction to the medication, it was actually making it more hyperactive. And actually she was attacking the other cats at that point. Being more submissive, now she has a medication a on board yeah, that a, actually can cause more aggression. It was a bad um, weekend so, at their house. Yeah. Uh, she just kept going after everybody. So she was she was pretty wound up. And the medication she received was Xanax. So mm -hmm. when, you know, there can be some paradoxical type symptoms to a medication like that. That's called a Herxheimer reaction. So you go to submissive to being more old, you see. So it kind of freaked the owner out and they said, well, now she's attacking everybody else. Well, you want them to be more bold, but you don't want them to attack the other cats now because then you have the flip side. So what we decided to do is that in, in researching this a little more with the owner, it was actually, we're going to moderate the environment but then secondly, we're going to use a little different medication called amitriptyline. But we're going to treat both the cats mm -hmm. because the one cat is being more the aggressor, but we're not treating that cat. Now we yeah. need to, to try to calm this kitty down. So the you two know, cats were going after each other? Well, the, the one was more submissive okay. and the other one was being more aggressive. Oh, okay. So it made more sense to me if we're not seeing the results of balancing it out to give the kitty that's being attacked, less anxiety mm -hmm. uh, and being less of a target that we would treat both cats together okay. with amitriptyline. So amitriptyline works really well. It's a transdermal um, and in combination with altering and managing the environment, managing nutrition, uh, managing uh, herbal health, especially considering CBD and other products in there as well, that we want to find some sort of harmony because it's, it's unfortunate when you have multiple cats in the household that they have no choice but to get along. So in mm -hmm. it versus readopting, which is not a possibility in most cases is that you do have to try to find some harmony, especially okay. the two cats that can't get along. Right. So, so big story. It was quite a weekend. Uh, so it's too bad that that occurred. I'm really sorry. And I can feel for, feel your pain there. Uh, Sherry on that one. Um, so I had another question. Is it okay to feed your dog milk? Well, they lose their ability to um, digest lactose by the time they're weaned. Um, usually at eight weeks of age, they start in between eight and 12 weeks, really, that they start to lose their ability to digest milk. 
Okay. Um, most of the puppy products do have a milk-based protein in it, uh, which helps them up to six months to a year, and then you can move them on completely. But to drink whole milk um, is usually a little bit harder. Now, a lot of dogs can handle milk just fine. Uh, I find that as the dogs get older, if you do want to give them uh, any type of product that something that's been processed or lightly processed like cheese mm -hmm. through a natural processing, not chemical processing. Uh, so this product, like the answer product here, cheese bites, it's so in moderation. So this is A2, A2 milk on it. What does that mean? Well, A2 cows uh, versus the A1 cows are non-Holstein. And most of the Holsteins, unfortunately, have A1. Oh, really? Uh, but they're the highest milk producers of any of the cows. But um, Jersey and Guernsey's uh, have a higher level of A2, which is the A1 product. It tends to cause more potential reaction, where A2 does not, as far as the GI tract and lactose intolerance. So are most of the cows that are milked in the U.S. Holsteins? Most of the cows in the So US that's the black Holsteins. and white cows that you see with the right. patches. So the Holsteins... They're huge, so they would make the most milk, so that's why it makes the most sense to have Holsteins as your milk cows. Yeah, they're most okay. economic sense, and that's, that's one of the main reasons that um, that they were used is because of their large size and larger milk Oh, okay, output. but it's uh, a different kind of milk. Can you feed – well, I mean, it's kind of hard to get a hold of raw milk, you know, like straight from the cow. Can you feed that to your animal if you had some? Right. It, if it's in its natural form and it's non-pasteurized – uh, a lot of times they can handle that just fine, uh, but everything in moderation. They they don't need the milk anymore. It's it's more uh, probably because we started adding these products in was more for things that we were eating. If we had like cheese and right, stuff like that, pizza and stuff like that. If we had cows who were milking at home, we'd share some milk with them. So pasteurization like kills bacteria, yeast, mold, but it also kills the enzymes, and the enzymes are what you are the most beneficial to people. They're the most beneficial. And we don't realize that it actually raw milk doesn't necessarily spoil. The spoiling process is actually a natural fermentation because mm -hmm. it goes from whole milk to clabber, to, you know, and clabber is more like sour milk that you would make yogurt out of. Oh, really? Um, but it's, it, it really doesn't go so bad. So spoiled milk is it's not really spoiled. It's just going into a different form. Right. It's just fermenting. So it's, really? it's obviously going to be sour milk. You go, wow, that, that tastes sour. It's terrible. Well, yeah, it's, but it's not going to poison you. The, the pasteurized uh, milk, unfortunately, will spoil and can hurt you for sure. Why? So you don't want to go past if that. If they killed thing. all that stuff off, why would it hurt you? Because there's still bacteria in there. It's not... It's not, it's not completely a world. right. It's not completely uh, sterilized. There are certain bacteria that are that can be beneficial to you that are in there, and a very very small amount that that could be pathogenic. That's why after it reaches the uh, expiration date, uh, you should get rid of it because those bacteria are starting to grow in there and it can oh, make really? it worse. But if if you have uh, raw milk sitting there. Uh, it'll just go through different stages, and, and, and it has its own natural protection device. So the chances of that going bad over time are pretty pretty slim. It just okay. tastes different. You know? Oh, all right. All right. Well, I guess. <laughs> okay. But could you feed that to them? And the answer is yes, because yes, it's fermented. Okay. Anything fermented is good for them as well, and just very small amounts. So. Well, we have some fermented pig's feed. 
Was this also known as like pickled pig's feet? It was. Is that the same thing? Pickled yeah. pig's feet and fermented because we're, we're yeah. <laughs> the ones we're selling are called fermented pig's feet. And they're kind of flying out of the freezer. Like we've sold, definitely sold some of those. Yeah, they're, they're, it's very good. And it, the, there again, back before, really before refrigeration or where refrigeration was really um, that modern, yeah. uh-huh. uh, that pickling, fermenting, canning, all of these things were done to try to make that food more preserved. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, the pickling process is fine. There again, in moderation, because you don't want to overdo it uh, with too much bacteria going in there because then oh, you can really? cause some diarrhea. So, well, some of those pig's feet were, I mean, they're big. I thought, you know, if you've ever, have you ever seen them in the store? They're like in a bottle. <laughs> they're so <laughs> gross. <laughs> they're always like a way up on the top shelf, but they look like they're this big. But these pig's feet yeah. that we have in our freezer, well, I'm sorry, they're fermented, not pickled. And they're like that. They're huge. They're about four inches, I'd say. Yeah. So a bigger pig. <laughs> so you can, yeah, you can chew on those, you know, they can, the pets can chew on those for a while. Um, and that provides something beneficial to them. Yeah, it does. Oh, all right. All right. Sounds good. So um, we've gone through a lot of questions. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the perils and pitfalls of declining vaccinations. So when you as an owner say, I don't want a rabies shot for my dog, there's actually a few real world stories we can tell you about that have happened to our own clients um, who didn't have rabies shots or wanted an exemption. And that's, you know, perfectly acceptable to us, but it's not in some places. We'll tell you where those are when we come back. Thanks for joining us again. Um, we'll see you back in just a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in every week for Making Action Happen, hosted by Sarah Blackhurst. The program takes you inside Action 22, a Colorado-based community outreach organization established in 1999. The show focuses on public policies, both politically driven or not, which have ongoing and immediate impact on the Colorado community and the world. It doesn't matter where you are, you can make action happen. Listen Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Voice America Variety. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com 
You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Hi, I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, Voice America, World Talk Radio. Um, you can reach us at 866-472-5788 if you'd like to call in. Also, we have Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, which is on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. got my cat, Kimmy, here. Kimmy doesn't love being held, but she's purring like crazy. So, I don't know. Kimmy is our baby mama at home. She uh, has had a few litters of beautiful Persian kittens and she's a super sweet kitty but she kind of only likes me and she only likes to be petted on her own terms so I can't even believe she's not fighting as hard as I thought she would be (laughs) to pick her up why do some cats like like you and some cats want to cuddle you and then some cats are like this like she she likes it she's purring Mm -hmm. but then she's trying to get away at the same time well most cats are feral by nature which means that they they've learned to be they're more wild than domesticated so they tend to want to have things on their terms. They tend to be more independent. But there's a, a, a certain percentage of cats, probably 10%, uh, don't have the exact figures, that are just the opposite, that are going to be, if we had a fire-friendly kitty here, he'd be right up here. He'd be standing on the computer um, trying to answer the phone, you know, mess around, stuff like that. They're very friendly. Kimmy is uh, more earthy. She'll... She'll stay with us, but then she'll she'll move away. Um, and then there's the more... Uh, so that like doesn't make her feel insecure. Right, doesn't make her feel insecure. But uh, but most kitties, they would jump down and move away because everything that would bother them slightly. But Aww. she's been with us a long time and she's been in here, so she's gotten acclimated. So yeah, she really likes actually... She really likes um, actually just being the only kitty in here. Yeah. <laughs> She has a poof that she likes to lay in, and she's just having a good time. Yeah, so, good kitty. So personality types based on the uh, how many elements? Five. There's five. Yeah. Earth. So it's earth and metal. Okay. Water, which is uh, more feral, very scared cat. Metal is more conservative. Um, you know, conservative cats and dogs tend to observe you, but don't necessarily run away from you. Uh, but Water uh, pets um, during examination tend to be hiding. They're hiding under the chair. Uh, the, the wood personality, are, and we don't see those as many times in cats as we do in dogs, but they tend to stare through you. They're, and they're looking at you, but they're also staring through you. Uh, they're very competitive. Uh, they tend to be more aggressive. The younger animals are more wood-based because they just have tons of energy. Oh. And then finally, fire. Fire-friendly is like Benjo. Um, the dog that's the- running around yeah. here interrupting us all morning, wagging his tail, squeaking his toy. Yeah, that's a lot of Having a great party. time. And, I yeah. mean, he'll he'll do anything to get in the car. I mean, he has 10 acres to run yeah. around on, but he'll get in the car. Right. Before you, I mean, I've had a few accidents with an open cup of coffee and the dog just flying into the car because he's not going to miss his chance to come into our indoor dog park. <laughs> uh, he loves coming in he here. Loves he loves it when dogs visit. So that's your fire friendly dog. That's your fire friendly. He loves to play. The fire play means dog. friendly. Fire means friendly. Yeah. All right. So that's your personality, I think, too. <laughs> Didn't that? Isn't that what we heard? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, good time. Good time. So um, there's some perils and pitfalls to declining a rabies vaccination. Rabies specifically 
is a major issue. Uh, you have to have one in every state, correct? Correct. It is uh, from the federal, state, and local county level. There's regulations that trickle down. Um, the rabies is, is, is basically been evacuated from the domestic pet population in mm -hmm. terms of eradication. Mm -hmm. um, the CDC does a tremendous job in controlling disease and getting it under control very quickly in the United States. Uh, we're the best in the world, mm -hmm. no doubt. Um, but in our wild pet population, or wild animal population, not our wild pet population, but the wild animals do carry rabies and they can uh, expose our pets and ourselves mm -hmm. to rabies yeah. uh, in, in an accidental encounter. Like for us, living on a farm and having our dogs out and the horses too, all the horses actually have rabies vaccines mm -hmm. because you just don't know what's going to be in your pasture. There's packs of coyotes. There's, you know, a lot of stuff just around and you just don't know what it is. You know, I encountered this big, huge weasel coming out of the barn one day. Mm -hmm. um, it got into it with our cat Choo Choo, who he had a big slash across his face from it. But thank goodness he actually had a rabies vaccine. Like everybody at our house has to have that. So at this point, that's, you know, that's just because it's uh, of, of like where we live. And a lot of people do live rurally. Mm -hmm. um, but even, you know, like that wildlife is starting to come in. I mean, people are finding, you know, wildlife on their deck in their backyard. So you do encounter it, even if you're in a suburban or urban area. Right. And, and that's a great point because our pets, um, because they live out on the farm, uh, aren't going to be supervised all the time. They're going to be outside. They're going to be, you know, roaming mm -hmm. the, the property and everything like that. So we're not always going to be there to understand what they encounter. Mm -hmm. So that's where we have to use that risk assessment. It's extremely important vaccine risk assessment because we want to know what are our pets at risk for? So ours are high risk, which means that they're exposed to wildlife or potential contact with wildlife that could carry rabies. Mm -hmm. Now, the argument is, well, my pet only goes into the backyard. Um, we have a half an acre backyard, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but do you let your pet out unsupervised? Yes, it's a fenced backyard. You That's a moderate risk. Yeah. So they're outside okay. unsupervised, but it doesn't mean that wildlife can't come into your property. Yeah. Most common in McHenry County is bats. Mm -hmm. Biggest yeah. carrier of rabies. Um, but it doesn't probably mean across you, the U.S. too. I would say I would so say too. Bats are pretty close to being top. But it doesn't mean that a, a wildlife could come in, couldn't come into your backyard because yeah, of your house or something like that. So, rabbits. so you know, we do a lot of rabies exemptions. So you can get an exemption if you know you have the vet who will do that. Some vets won't do it. We have a conventional vet here who's really against it because he's like, you know, I have little kids. I'm putting my hands in this animal's mouth. I don't know. So, you know, and it's a liability issue from your workers' compensation insurance. Mm -hmm. If the animal um, you're working on did not have a rabies vaccine, there's, you know, a lot of things that go on in the animal hospital. Things, you know, like even animals who don't seem fractious can turn fractious. So, you know, like especially if they're under anesthesia or just being handled by people who they don't even know very well. And, you know, the smells and everything that happened in here. Um, so from even from a workers' compensation issue, the animals we work on should have a rabies vaccine before they have any kind of like big testing or anything like that. So we had to actually go to a no muzzle pol or a, a completely um, a blanket muzzle policy 
so we don't get in trouble that way. So it helps to reduce the bites. Um, it's not perfect. I had someone get bit last year with it, um, lost the entire back of her hand. Um, I held her hand while she uh, got very, very lucky and had a doctor in the ER who had been in a burn unit mm -hmm. for most of his career. And he knew how to put that back on. And just a very, very minimal scarring, which is amazing if you could see what happened through the bite of that muzzle. But anyway, I digress. It's just that, you know, so liability for the animal hospital staff to handle your animal. So it, that being said, um, you know, we do see plenty of rabies exemptions here. Mm. We see people who don't want thimerosal in their pet's vaccine. So uh, we do carry a thimerosal-free vaccine, which is a preservative that people, you know, want to avoid. So we carry uh, that vaccine and then just regular rabies as well. Um, the liabilities, though, don't end just, you know, like with our own staff. They actually happen to owners. So we had an owner last year. This has actually happened a couple of times. So of all the animals we don't vaccinate for rabies and we do end up writing a rabies exemption form and you have to have a good reason to do it. We had a couple that, you know, the owner ended up in the hospital mm -hmm. for it. So tell us a little about that. Well, first of all, what constitutes a rabies exemption is that they've had to had a previous vaccination as a puppy. So at least one vaccination. The two is that we have to have a clear diagnosis that and have a, a pledge to the county in which you live that we do have a medical diagnosis, a reason that we can't vaccinate. All right. Um, so and so um, you did that with a 19 year old cat. For sure. So now we get into these um these cases is that what if we, in this case with a 19 year old kitty, accidental bite, uh, which caused an infection, uh, the, to owner, the owner, to the owner, went to the doctor. Um, they asked, you know, what had happened. It caused a severe enough infection that she was hospitalized. And uh, they said, well, my cat bit me. Well, is it up to date on rabies? And the answer was no, because it was under exemption. So what happened ultimately is the county reached out to me and said, this is the situation. Um, she is under exemption for, the kitty is under exemption for this reason. Do you feel that this cat is healthy enough and didn't have the potential to have rabies? And I said, yes. And so they were good with that. Um, but at the same time, that's one of the liabilities or the risks. So it was, it was not, I mean, quite that easy for the owner because she ended no. up going to the hospital. Right. She had to stay, um, you know, cause cat bites can really like, they might, you might look at it and say, Oh, that's not that bad. And then kaboom, it just blows right. up. And so she ended up um, having to go to the hospital and stay there. And, you know, she said that they were on the phone with her, <laughs> even in the hospital room. So um, just a lot of, it's very interesting. Um, how the law works uh, as far as rabies are concerned. So if you're not looking to get into issues like that, just go ahead and get the rabies vaccine. Um, also, we had a situation yesterday of an owner trying to fly with a rabies exemption. Now she had done this before, but it didn't work out. Yeah, she uh, she normally travels uh, south every winter. Uh, had gone through uh, a similar situation for the last three years and had no problems. But this particular time, the, she went through a different scenario. And unfortunately, that particular airline did not accept the 
the temporary she went to go exam. take her cat to put it on the airplane her dog. and they said oh her dog sorry yeah. um i knew that um she went to put the dog on the airplane at the airport mm-hmm. already was there and they said no they said no because she didn't have a current rabies vaccination and nor would they accept her um, onto the flight until that was confirmed okay until she got one until she got one and then they won't accept tighter tests if you want a tighter test as you know your assurance that your pet is going to be able to fight off rabies in case there was a rare occasion that they might come in contact with some wildlife or something so that means that this woman never i think she had a titer did she or not uh, she did not have a titer because she okay. wasn't traveling internationally but, but a lot of people want to do that just tighter and that's great but don't plan on traveling with a pet without a rabies vaccine there can be issues and then if you're traveling anywhere like hawaii or something like that give yourself a couple months time right you're going to need a lot of work done on your health papers um hawaii does not have rabies and they're very strict they're extremely strict just like going to a foreign country a lot of paperwork that needs to be filled out before traveling even though hawaii is in the 50 states so what happens if your dog has a titer and the titer is positive for rabies which is good so it's not like negative it's always positive for whatever that is meaning that it's still working in the system mm-hmm. what happens if you have a titer and a bite does it matter it, it doesn't it's not recognized in the united states as being satisfactory for having been vaccinated to be up to date okay okay so um so they have to be up to date in order and if they have a titer which we don't do a lot of titers just because it's a relatively expensive test uh, does take you know four to six weeks to get the results at the same time is that in the united states we don't recognize this as being sufficient for vaccination or being up to date so you still have to address that um, when you're going off the grid uh, and what i mean off the grid is that we're not vaccinating um, according to protocol every time mm-hmm. it's first of all if you have a sick pet and it can't be vaccinated there are restrictions there's restrictions to where you can go you do have to plan ahead with okay. the airlines, with the with dog parks. Don't just uh, plan rumors. that it's all going to be okay. No, just and, okay. and you can't argue with them because they have policies and procedures as well uh, to protect the public health. And that's what vaccines are for, to protect public health and to protect animals from infectious disease. So we have to be prepared. Uh, so talk with your veterinarian a lot about it especially mm-hmm. if you're going off the grid because it's different and uh, you do have some liabilities and some risk. That being said, you know, vaccinating these animals um, that come in, it's usually older animals with autoimmune diseases. They're not feeling well or they're not going to stay well for a while. Those are the kinds of dogs that getting exemptions. Right. So uh, cancer patients can't be vaccinated mm-hmm. or should not be vaccinated because you're just going to stir up the cancer Two is just chronic disease, so kidney, liver, heart disease, um, you know, to get IBD, which is chronic intestinal disease. Uh, those are big ones. Um, and then, uh, you know, patients that, um, like osteoarthritis, is that a disease that you could be exempt from? There's, there's some situations where we can exempt them from that. But just being a senior dog is not enough for the county to accept that. You have to have a diagnosis. And if there's no diagnosis, they they won't accept it, and it's because uh, it, it's strict. We've uh, okay. So for it, for instance, on that diagnosis thing. So our 14 year old Sheltie um, has had some kind of neurological thing. It looks like a stroke. She kind of walks funny. She mm-hmm. kind of 
you know, she gets around, um, but she, you know, she trips a lot. She falls, um, her head's kind of tilted, you know, but she's happy. So she, we just let her live out her life, you know? So is that a dog that would get a rabies exemption? Yes, he's under exemption uh, for having neurologic disease. But at the same time, because she has neurologic disease, she could have an increased bite risk. And I always ask owners, if we're going to not vaccinate because of a diagnosis, is that what is the bite risk? And they, we, so you never exempt a sick, vicious dog necessarily mm -hmm. because there's a bite risk there. And the county's only going to look, and they're fantastic. We have some great counties, uh, and they're very lenient. Um, I, I can't think of one uh, exemption that they've designed for me. They've never done um, one, no. They're, they're fantastic. It's on purpose. It's, but, I mean, it's, it, you know, they're yeah, doing their best. They um, are. I mean, and this is a new situation. They had never had a rabies exemption asked for until we came here. Right. So they had to design a new form and <laughs> design everything. And they were like, what do you mean? <laughs> so, right. And they did do that. They did work with us. So uh, that was good. So, um, you know, it depends on what county you live in and what part of the country you live in and who controls the information as far as the like your rabies tags and who do you report to that kind of thing. So, um, you know, just check with your governmental agency, see what they say. They'll probably say to vaccinate. Um, but if you have a holistic vet who can help you, then there's, you know, stuff to be done. So, you know, speaking of biting um, and staff dangers, you know, like we have gone to this all muzzle policy and we did that maybe it's been a while, like five years ago. Right. Just to avoid, you know, because you can be dropped from your workers' compensation insurance the minute you have one single thing happen, no matter whose problem, fault it was, anything. So you can have a dog run up behind you in the parking lot and shove you down and break your ribs yeah. and you'll get dropped from your workers' comp. They're not very good about sticking with you if things happen. So we had to go to that all-muzzle policy all the time because uh, because of that situation. Um, maybe some different areas are a little bit better. Than yeah. Than and I've always went with the policy that every dog will bite. Yes. Every dog can bite because if they're um, uncomfortable, no matter what, uh, even mm -hmm. a fire friendly dog like Benjo uh, could snap if he had yeah, he something snap. very uncomfortable. Yeah. And so when owners say, well, my pet would never bite, that's, that's being irresponsible. It yeah. just says, okay, maybe not at home, and they shouldn't bite you at home. So we had a um, case this we had a, a recent case like this where the dog was so vicious you could hear it. This is a ten thousand square foot building, and there are lots of walls, doors, and stuff like that up, and they're concrete. <laughs> this dog was so loud and so terrifying that just sitting down in the office and listening to it was just like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen here? Nobody could really handle it. It's dangerous to the staff. It's, it's dangerous, dangerous to other people. The owner's like, he doesn't do anything at home. <laughs> and I get that, but. And they shouldn't. If he was <laughs> acting that vicious at home, it's, it's probably a major problem. So, but how they act out in social situations is most important to address. And um, you do have to allow the veterinary staff to protect themselves. It doesn't hurt the pet to have a muzzle on. It doesn't disrespect the pet in any way. Uh, but at the same time, it's protecting them, the staff, and the owners mm -hmm. uh, from potential liability because I've been rabies vaccinated myself. I have to maintain my titers. The rest of the staff and my family is not. So um, I'm not going to put them at risk for any reason. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, even myself, I don't particularly enjoy your own family either. or anything like right. that. So the perils and pitfalls of declining vaccinations, they're tricky sometimes. Yeah. They're unexpected. So always remember, you're going to have to plan ahead. And there are very good reasons not to vaccinate, just like there are very good reasons to vaccinate. Right. So vaccine risk assessment every time, for sure. Yeah. You should always be going to somebody who's going to give you options with vaccines or a protocol that's not going to make you follow a protocol. Like, this is my opinion, but I wouldn't let them tell me what to do anyway. But um if you're going to a vet that's just telling you you have to have A, B, C, and D, and that is it, and they want to do this all at one time, that's scary. Like, turn around and go somewhere else. Corporate medicine is really good at doing that to you. Um, other, you know, there's plenty of corporate veterinary practices, the bane of my existence, <laughs> that will only go so far in treating your pet. And if yeah. you don't agree to all of what they've proposed, you're out the door. So that's not cool. And you shouldn't have to do something you don't want to do if you're seriously worried about vaccines. We all have a different kind of coming from a different place um, when it comes to vaccines. So, you know, I vaccinated my daughter, everything was fine, but I had these misgivings about our son. Mm. So uh, all the vaccines were spread out of a very long period of time and never more than one at a time. And they were never on time either until yeah. <laughs> he had to go to school. Um, you know, cause I just had this feeling about it and uh, it just scared me. So um, it gets the same way for people who, you know, al- aligned their um, school of thought with their pets as well. So it, it's, they're not always undamaging. You had actually um, given a rabies vaccine. You didn't do it, but someone else did. And they developed a big lump at that site. Mm-hmm. And that's called, uh, we had it. We had to biopsy it, look at it. And it was from a rabies vaccine. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they can cause um, anywhere from an anaphylactic reaction, which could cause um, even up to death in very extreme cases. I've never had a case like that. But um, if the vaccine was actually accidentally injected intravenously, uh, can cause a major anaphylactic reaction. Um, if it's um, scraped along the vessel, and, and for, like us, when we're injecting in the subcutis, uh, the size of those capillaries are very, very small. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, the patient is very, you know, very quiet and we're giving the vaccine. But sometimes they jump and you can scrape against uh, an artery or a vessel, nerve, something like that, cause vasculitis or local irritation or swelling like this one, mm-hmm. um, on up to just a small nodule. And then most of the time, and I would say probably 95 plus percent of the time, is that you're not going to have any problem at all. But um, they are- And that's not anybody's fault either. No. So it's not something you can blame the vet for. It's just, no. it's part of what happens. It's part of what happens. It's called and what happens. Yeah. That's that's for sure. And the, the companies stand by their vaccination. So we want to be sure that um, yeah. you know, if you have a vaccine reaction that you let your veterinary know. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's reportable. Yeah. The companies really want to know. They do. We don't have too many of those um, in all the vaccines we've been using. Uh, no. Lanco vaccines. And then sometimes we'll spread it around, you know, to kind of every year kind of review everything and see which 
which we have this time and um, doing pretty good on those lately. So cross your fingers. <laughs> yeah, it's a great subject. We probably talk for Ever. You know, several yeah, shows. It's probably on boring. Yeah. I hope we're not boring. <laughs> anyway, well, thanks for joining us today. We do appreciate it. And join our Holistic Bed Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson group. That's on Facebook. And we'd love to see you there and answer all your pet questions. Help you out a little bit. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend.